0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Currensville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Currensville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.currensvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George. All right, guys, I'd like you to take your Bibles. We're in the book of Romans. Chapter 2, uh, we're gonna look at verses 1 to 16. Book of Romans, chapter 2. And so we are we are progressing slowly through Romans, and our task is to understand our faith. We want to be people who who know what we believe. And you know, he started out in chapter one and verse 17 and basically told us what the essence of our faith is, and that is the just live by faith. That's what it's about. It's not about the service. Christianity isn't a service to attend. It's not about you doing all the right stuff or making sure you don't do all the bad stuff and what Bible you carry, how you dress, and, and all of these different things. It's about you having faith and a faithful, trusting relationship with Jesus. And that's how you're saved. You're saved by your faith. You're justified by that. Now, we can recognize that, but there's a whole lot more to it, and that's what Paul's wanting to do with this letter. He's wanting to communicate to the Romans and then ultimately to us what that means. And so he started out, we looked at it last week, he started out by helping us to understand that before you understand that justification comes by faith, you need to understand that our world is in peril. That people are going to hell and there is a reason for it. So we looked at last week one group and it was the going it alone group that's the people who said, I don't need God, I just want to do my own thing. And so God gives them over to their desires, to whatever they want to do, selfishness. And and it begins to ultimately express itself in all kinds of sins. And we talked about that last week. I'm not going to rehash last week because we said we can see it happening in our culture. And he said, and because of that, they're worthy of death. So then when we get to chapter 2 now, we're going to look at verses 1 to 16. He's going to talk about another group. And this is the group who says, I'm not a part of the first group. In fact, they're the crowd that is the better-than-them crowd, the better-than-you crowd. They're the crowd that looks at the first group and has a wagging finger. They're the crowd that says, well, I understand why they're going to hell, but I'm doing right. I'm okay. And so you can kind of see the natural progression here of what Paul's doing. He's starting out with the guys who are just doing their own thing. They forget about God. God gives them over to their own desires. But there's that moral group that says, well, you know what? I don't do those things. And yeah, they're worthy of hell, but hey, I do what's right. And that's what we're going to talk about today because he's trying to help us to understand as he gets to the ultimate point that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God Nobody is exempt from the reality of needing Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's especially true if you're in that crowd that thinks they're better than others. You don't know anybody like that, do you? We beat them all the time, right? Well, Paul's got some special words for them And we're going to see it here in verses 1 to 16. So I want you to notice with me, this is the second of the four groups that we're going to be addressing here. Look with me in your Bibles, or you can look with me up on the screen as we look at verses 1 to 16 of chapter 2. Here's what Paul writes as he continues. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Because you know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, that you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impotent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good and seek, doing good, seek the glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory and honor and peace and everyone who works what is good to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. Can I say that again? For there is no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without the law will perish without the law. As many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of god but the doers of the law are justified and when the gentiles who did not have the law by nature do the things in the law these although not having the law are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience also bearing witness between themselves their thoughts excusing or else uh, their thoughts accusing or else accusing them In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to try to understand why this second group is in trouble. I mean, we understand the first group. He had that big list of sins, and you look at that list and you're like, yeah, if you're going to go off and do your own thing, you're just inviting the judgment of God. But hey, what about those who are trying to live their life right? And yeah, maybe they wagged a finger at other people. Are they really in trouble as well? So he's going to show us here, yeah, they are in trouble. They're in trouble because they're not consistent. They're judging somebody for something that they really in turn are doing themselves. And so we're going to look at it. How are we going to look? We're going to see what the problem is. Okay, we're going to see that in verses 1 to 4. And then we're going to understand what the judgment is. He tells us that in verses 5 to 16, the coming judgment. All right, so let's look at this together. First of all, here's what he says in verses 1 to 2. Let me read these again. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man. So he's starting off right off the bat, and he's saying, you don't have any excuse. Who's he talking about? Well, look what he says here. Whoever you are who judge... Who's that? Anybody got a mirror? Do you ever judge anybody? Seriously, like when you go to Walmart, do you walk through without judging anybody? What about the parent who hasn't got control of their kids? Do you ever make a comment about that to yourself? Or maybe it's out loud. Can't believe they don't have control of their kids. Really? Like you had perfect control of your kids, right? So here's what he says: You are inexcusable, man. Whoever you are who judge, for whatever you judge another, you, you, you condemn yourself. For you who practice, for you who judge, practice these same things. But you know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. So here's the reality: When you judge others for sins, you are condemned for doing the same thing. When you judge others for sins, you are condemned for doing the very same thing. Because that, that really makes that kind of scares me a little bit, doesn't it? So the next time I want to say, "Oh, I can't believe they did that! How could they do that?" I mean, I, I think that's ridiculous that they do that. But the reality is, if I looked at my own life. And oftentimes I do, I realize, yeah, but I've done the same thing. But you know what I do with myself compared to others is I give myself an excuse. Yeah, but my situation was different. Did you know what I'm saying? I, I was in control. They're just wrong. And that's judging, isn't it? But Paul is saying here, look, when you, you have no excuse because when you judge others, you bring the same judgment upon yourself. Now here's the thing. Yeah, but that's Paul, George. Really? Listen to Jesus. So Matthew, Matthew chapter seven, verses one to five. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judged, you will be judged. And with me- what measure you used, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you who say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That's Jesus. What's he saying here? Don't be ready to judge people. And so here he is, he said to the first group, the first group to do it as your own, they're going to hell because they're just doing their own thing. The second group, they're going to hell because what? They're judging people, but in themselves, they're continuing to do the same thing. Now, how is it they're doing the same thing? Maybe they're doing it on the sly and secret, or maybe they're doing it in their minds. Really? In their minds? Am I held accountable for that? Yeah, remember the words of Jesus? If you look at a woman with lust, you have what? Committed adultery with her. If you hate your brother, you have what? Killed him. You've murdered him. Jesus takes it beyond more than just doing to the reality of even thinking is your involvement in it. And so that, that's really a high standard Jesus is putting there. So when you judge others, what does he say in chapter 7 of Matthew? The measure by which you judge others, you yourself will be measured by. Wow, that's a pretty high standard, Right? But isn't that what we do? We hold others to high standards that we don't hold ourselves to? See, this is the problem with this group, which brings up the second point. Judging others causes us to forget our own judgment and God's goodness. Look at what he says here in verse 3 through 4. I think this is very interesting because when you look at 3 to 4, you can miss it. What's he talking about here? Look at me at verse 3 and 4. And do you think this, O man... Who judge those practicing such things and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God? Okay, so he says, do you think you're going, I mean, it's, it's a rhetorical question. Do you really think you're going to get away with it? You're holding people to this standard that you yourself can't keep up with. Do you really think that God's just going to let you get away with it? But he goes one step further and says what the real issue is here. Look with me at verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? See, when I judge somebody else and I judge them and say they deserve that or they deserve more than that, I'm basically making myself better than God is what he's saying here. Because with that individual, just like he is with me, God shows forbearance. What's another word for that? Patience. And aren't you glad for the patience of God in your life concerning your sin? So here's the point I want to make. Judging others causes us to forget our own judgment and God's goodness. Causes us to forget our own judgment when I'm sitting there condemning that person and that person deserves to die, we sometimes say that, that person deserves what he's getting, we're forgetting that how many things have we overlooked in our own lives that we deserve to die at that moment or we deserve to have even more of a punishment happen in our lives because we're doing the same kind of thing. But yet at that moment, we were thankful that God was patient with us, right? Right? And God was showing us goodness. And God was forgiving towards us. But we're not forgiving towards each other, are we? We want the hammer to drop on everybody else. Listen to what uh, 2 Peter 3 9 says. He, this is from the passage concerning the coming of Christ. And Peter is talking about the patience of God here in chapter 3, verse 9. Again, it's up on the screen. He said the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some clack, slack as some count slackness but is long suffering towards us okay look at how he deals with us he is long suffering towards us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to what repentance that's what God's ultimate desire is for the people, even the people that we judge, is that he wants them to come to who, folks? He wants them to come to him. So he's patient with them. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I can't even understand the patience of God, how much he puts up with. He puts up with a lot just with me. Why? Why? he wants people to come to repentance and so when i'm judging others to be honest with you when i'm judging others i'm forgetting my own judgment and i'm forgetting the goodness of god the goodness of god and the possibility that they too might come to christ So that's the problem here. The problem with this crowd is, you know, the first crowd, they don't need God. We understand them. They're, They're doing their own thing. And with that, they're facing the consequences of their stuff. And this is the crowd that says, man, I can't believe what they're doing. They deserve that. But the problem is we're doing the same things in whatever level. But we got a bigger problem because we're forgetting God's goodness in our own lives and God's patience, and we're ready to just judge. And so guess what? We're worthy of what? Ourselves judgment so here's what he says about judgment and i think i think if you look at it it's wise because he's going to talk about his judgment compared to our judgment so our judgment our judgment is fickle you know know what i mean by that our judgment is is like whatever i feel like that day whatever i feel like irritates me that day then i'll judge that Do do you know what i'm saying God's not like that. His judgment's completely different. And aren't you glad his judgment is not like that? Do you know what I'm saying? So, like, I think about when I grew up in a home, think about my mom and my dad. And, and they were both disciplinarians, but my dad was an army guy, was a drill sergeant, was a disciplinarian. And then there was my mom. And she was tough as nails, too. But... If I had to pick between the two of who I would rather face a judgment from, I always pick mom. I didn't want to face dad, do you know what I'm saying? Cuz it depended on what mood my dad was in, how his day went at the base, do you know what I'm saying? And and everything. You know, and 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 that's what we are about humans, and but the reality is we think in terms of that. But God's not like that. So we need to understand his judgment. And so that's what he's going to express here in this last part here so that you understand why this crowd is going to be condemned as well. So I want you to look with me. Let's start with verse 5. Here's what he says. Just so you understand, but in accordance with your hardness and your impotent heart, You are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Here's the first point I want you to see about the coming judgment. Hardened, unrepentant. The hardened, unrepentant heart is storing a judgment for himself. Let me me just be reflective for a moment. So I've been, this year, July, it'll be, uh, this summer is going to be significant milestone. So in June, it'll be 30 years that I've been married to Lori. In July of uh, this year, it'll be 30 years that I'm ordained as a pastor. Okay, And that little bitty Independent Baptist Church in West Columbia, South Carolina, they're the ones who ordained me. So 30 years of ministry. and um, So, I don't know, as you get older, you reflect a lot. Do you find yourself doing that? As you get older, you reflect on your earlier years, why you did stuff and and everything. And and here's one of the reflections I have, okay? When when I started out in ministry, I'll be honest with you, I had had more of a critical spirit about people. I, I was a little bit more judgmental about people's stuff. Okay, And a little bit more hard-nosed. I kind of feel like I'm laid back now. I was a little bit more wound tight back then. And Lori will tell you that, because when we got married, we went to her home church outside of Smicksburg, PA, and, and it was a church filled with just normal working people and dairy farmers, and I show up in a suit. And they show up like we're dressed here. And she told me when I put my suit on, you don't need to put your suit on. But I was—that's how wound tight I was. And so I was critical. Here's what I realized: it was me. It was me, not them. Because I didn't understand my heart and who I was as an individual. And who was I? I'm a sinner. as I grew to understand my own sin I softened towards people and their stuff so now I'm not shocked by what they tell me nor am I judgmental because the reality is is that the hardened unrepentant heart is storing up judgment in that criticalness of my spirit I was actually bringing God's judgment on me Do you understand what I'm saying? Because that's not the heart of Christ, is it? When he says to the sinner, go and sin no more, but he tears the skin off of a religious person. Why? Because they judge others, right? So the first thing you need to understand is is that when you have a hardened, unrepentant heart, you're storing up judgment for yourself. And so what does that judgment look like? Well, look with me, verse 6 and 10. Basically, each person must answer to God for his or her, or her own life. Everybody has to answer to God. That's what he's saying here. When you look at verses 6 to 10, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read this. I've already read it to you already. He's talking about to the Jew first and then also to the Gentile, whether you are living with the law or without the law. The fact is, without the law, you have your conscience because you have the internal law within you. You know whether or not you're doing right. And so everybody has to give an account before God. When I go before Jesus, it isn't going to be, well, you know, it, it was it was my brother, you know, in my teenage years, I was always fighting with him, Lord, it's his fault, or it was my mom and dad's fault, or it was my scoutmaster's fault, or it was that pastor's fault, or it was that cop who pulled me over for speeding. And I know I was speeding, but the way he talked to me wasn't right, and and and, and all of that. And so it's everybody else's fault, but mine. It doesn't work that way when you stand before Jesus, because the only person that I'm going to talk about when I stand before Jesus is me And the only person he's going to talk about when he stands before me in judgment is me. It's me. I have to give an account for me. And that's true for all of us. So he says to the one who says they're judging others, well, I can't believe that, they deserve that, but yet they're doing that themselves. Jesus says, wait, 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 wait hold on a second. You're really not repentant of your own stuff. I'm here to talk about you. So, so let me let me bring this back. So this just came to my mind. It's, it's really easy to it's really easy to turn on the news and get really worked up. And sometimes I get worked up, okay? And and just be really out of sorts in my office. Like, I can't believe that. And sometimes I get out of sorts with other Christians and how they act, okay? And I'm like, I can't believe that. But the reality is, when I stand before Jesus, I can't say, can you believe they did that, Jesus? He's gonna be like, what are you talking about? I'm here to talk about you. It's you. This is reality. It's about you. So much of our distraction is on what others are doing and what we perceive others are doing. And it needs to be about us. Each person must answer to God for his or her own life. Here's the third thing. Look with me at verse 11. Here's what he says in verse 11. For there is no partiality with God. Here's the thing, God shows no partiality in his judgment. He's not going to treat me as a pastor any different than he's going to treat you as somebody who attends a church. He's not going to treat you as somebody who came to him in Christ any different than anybody else in the world. He looks at you individually. He shows no partiality. He doesn't look at your thing that you did wrong and compare it to somebody else's and says, well, yeah, but you know, in your situation, you had an excuse. The other guy had no excuse. So therefore, I'm letting you off. He doesn't do that. He is totally impartial. Which, by the way, let's be honest, should scare us. Right? Should wake us up. Because the God who judges everyone else is the same God who judges me. Here's the other thing I want you to see about the judgment of God. And that's this. Look with me at verse 12. Again, he's making this point. Verse 12. For as many as have sinned without the law will perish without the law. For as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. Here's the reality. Everyone is accountable to God. We're all accountable. I think it's interesting when we talk about when we die we're going to go to be with the Lord. I I find that we spend a lot of our time talking about meeting loved ones that we have, that have gone on and we will. But we're missing one of the steps in that process. When you and I open our eyes and we're with Jesus There's an accountability first. And with that accountability is a judgment. What do you mean a judgment, George? I'm not going to hell. No, no, I'm not talking about going to hell. I'm talking about there's accountability. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me read it to you, okay? First Corinthians chapter 3. We read through these and we sometimes miss what he's saying here, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says this, verse 11, for no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. For if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become clear for the day will declare it. What day? That's the day of judgment when you and I go to be with Jesus. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. What do you mean fire? Fire here is a picture of judgment, okay? And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Folks, you and I are going to be judged for how we live our lives. And if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet as through fire. So our rewarding has to do with how we live our lives now. It's not about going to hell or not, but it sure has to do with what kind of stuff you get later. And that's all dependent upon how you're living your life now. There is an accounting. Accounting. It's not just about heaven and hell, folks. There is an accounting. Everyone is accountable to God. And and here's what I want you to see, verses 13 through 15. The law judges all, whether through their conscience or instruction. So here's the reality. What is the basis of my judgment? Well, it's the law. What he said, don't do. But it's also my conscience. And how many of us, when we know that our conscience is telling us, don't do it, do it. And we're judged. Because we want to do it. So the law judges whether or not through the conscience or through instruction. So that brings us to the final point he makes here about the coming judgment. Look with me at verse 16. He says this, In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. So at the judgment, God will reveal the secret things of men's hearts. reveal it. The secret things. What do you mean the secret things? The motives. You know what I'm saying? The motives. Well, you know, I did this for you, Lord. Yeah, but here's why you did it. Well, don't you know I did this for this family? Yeah, but here's why you did that for that family. It wasn't a pure motive. God's going to reveal it all. In fact, I think it's pretty scary because Jesus said in the Gospels, That every idle word will be brought into judgment. Do you remember any of the dumb things you said in the last week? I say dumb things all the time. I can't keep track of them. When we go to him, he's going to bring them all up. So think about that. In this passage where we're talking about judging others, every judgment you and I have ever rendered towards anybody else, do you think we're going to rehear them? Yeah. because it'll be the standard by which we ourselves are judged so we got two groups now we got the one group who's doing its own thing and of course they're facing the consequences and they're condemned he's got the other group now it's this is the let's just call it as it is the self-righteous group the better than you group who judge others but they're doing the same thing guess what They're judged as well. So what do we do with this, George? How do we take his condemnation passage, how do we apply it to us? Okay, so that's last week I talked about how do we apply it for our culture and how do we apply it for ourselves. I'm not going to really worry about the culture. I'm going to talk about you and me as we close this time. So here's what I'm going to say to you. Number one, own your own stuff. What do you mean by that, George? Own your own sin. Quit making excuses. Realize who you are and what you are. What do you mean what I am? You are a sinner saved by grace. Do you understand? And because of that, You didn't just, when you came to salvation, sin's bonds didn't just break immediately so that you would never sin again. You inhabit a flesh that you've trained all these years to do wrong. So recognize that. And with your recognition of owning your own stuff, you realize that without Jesus, you were going where? To hell. So that brings me to the second thing. Give people some slack. What do you mean, George? They did something wrong. I understand that, but give them some slack. If they don't know Jesus, what do you expect? Do you know what I'm saying? If they don't know Jesus, what do you expect? Because the fact is, if they don't know Jesus, that means they're doing their own thing for their own lust. They're just facing the consequences of it. They don't know any better. They need who? Jesus. And guess what? You have Jesus. And by the way, you have Jesus and you still do wrong things. So own your own stuff. Give them some slack. But that leads to a third thing. Pray for yourself and for them. What do you mean pray for myself? Pray for yourself because we're in a battle with sin, right? Let's just be honest. We're in a battle. Yes, we have Christ and and we're working it out as we work in our relationship with him and he's renewing our minds so that we cease to sin. But that's a process. It's called sanctification. But I'm also going to pray for them. Why? Because the fact that they're doing those things that you are judging, the reality is it's just reflective of a greater issue. They too need who? Jesus. So pray for them. In fact, I would say to you, what would life be like if we spent as much time praying for them as we do judging them? That's what the faith is about, isn't it? Let me pray for you.